In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one triune God, Amen. This is Father Daniel Abamosis, and I want to thank you for allowing me to spend some time with you. Today, with the Trinity's help, I will speak about some general points regarding the divine hypostasis. Let us begin by defining what is meant by the term hypostasis to ensure that our discussion about the divine hypostasis is clear. So, it's important to understand that the term hypostasis has had two different meanings. So, at one point, hypostasis was used as a synonym for essence. Let's read a patristic quote. The first quote says, For the apostle proclaims the Son to be the own radiance and expression, not of the Father's will, but of his essence itself, saying, and he's quoting the Bible verse, who being the radiance of his glory and the express image of his hypostasis. That quote is St. Athanasius, Select Works and Letters, page 429 through 430. And the next quote says, Blessed Paul called him radiance of the glory of the Father and the exact representation of his essence. End quote. That is St. Cyril of Alexandria, Commentary on the Epistle to the Hebrews, page 89. And it's worth noting that while St. Cyril is paraphrasing Hebrews 1.3, the word that he chooses for hypostasis is essence. An example of using this definition of hypostasis would be to say that there are three people standing together and that all of them have the same hypostasis. This is correct if we are using hypostasis as a synonym for essence. The next definition of hypostasis, which is the current definition of this term, is an individual subject constituted of a given essence. Let's read a patristic quote. The first one says, For the triad, praised, reverenced, and adored, is one and indivisible and without degrees. It is united without confusion, just as the monad also is distinguished without separation. For the fact of those venerable living creatures offering their praises three times, saying, Holy, 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 proves that the three hypostases are perfect, just as in saying, Lord, they declare the one essence. This is St. Athanasius of Alexandria, Select Works and Letters, page 90. Another quote says, Since there is one essence of the true and natural divinity, understood in three hypostases, I mean in the Father and Son and Holy Spirit. This is St. Cyril of Alexandria, Commentary on the Gospel of John, Volume 2, page 212. And the last quote says, Perhaps we do not even fall short of a corporeal unity, I mean with one another, even though we are separated by different bodies, with each one of us withdrawing, as it were, into our own circumscribed hypostasis. That is also St. Cyril of Alexandria, Commentary on the Gospel of John, Volume 2, page 303. 
So an example of this use of the term hypostasis would be three human beings gathered together in church. When speaking in reference to them, it would be correct to say that they are one essence, which is human essence, but that they are three hypostases, or individual subjects. Let me give a practical example of the confusion that can be caused because of the term hypostasis having two different meanings. So there was a situation that happened with St. Athanasius of Alexandria, and I'll read the quote and it explains the situation that happened. It says, For as to those whom some were blaming for speaking of three hypostases, on the ground that the phrase is unscriptural and therefore suspicious, we thought it right indeed to require nothing beyond the confession of Nicaea, but on account of the contention we made inquiry of them. Having accepted then these men's interpretation and defense of their language, we made inquiry of those blamed by them for speaking of one hypostasis, whether they used the expression in the sense of Sibelius to the negation of the Son and the Holy Spirit. But they, in their turn, assured us that they neither meant this nor had ever held it. But we use the word hypostasis, thinking it the same thing to say hypostasis or essence. But we hold that there is one because the Son is of the essence of the Father, and because of the identity of nature. For we believe that there is one Godhead, and that it has one nature and not that there is one nature of the Father from which that of the Son and the Holy Spirit are distinct. Well, thereupon they who had been blamed for saying there were three hypostases agreed with the others, while those who had spoken of one essence also confessed the doctrine of the former as interpreted by them. This is St. Athanasius, Select Works and Letters, page 484 to 485. So we can see from this quote that some people were using hypostasis to mean essence, others were using hypostasis to mean individual subject, and so when speaking of the Trinity, some could say that there's one hypostasis and that was correct, and others could say there were three hypostases and that's also correct, but they meant different things by the word hypostasis and so clarity needed to be elicited in order for them both to agree with one another. So let's speak about some synonyms for hypostasis when it's used to mean individual subjects. So the first synonym that I want to mention is person. And the first quote says, For while the holy and adored trinity is of the same substance, one would not for that reason ascribe the incarnation to whatever person one chose. For only the Son became man, and not the Father, nor the Holy Spirit. That quote was St. Cyril of Alexandria, Glaphora on the Pentateuch, Volume 137, page 122. And the next quote says, The nature of the divinity is, and is so believed to be, one, even though it is expanded into the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, it does not have an absolute and complete gap, I mean, between each of the persons indicated. The divine nature is one in the person and hypostasis of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. This is... St. Cyril, Commentary on the Gospel of John, Volume 2, page 176. And the last synonym that I want to mention is subsistence. So the first quote says, For while the Holy Trinity opens out, as it were, into three distinct 
subsistences or separate persons, it is as though it contracts into the one nature of deity. That is, St. Cyril of Alexandria, Glaphora on the Pentateuch, volume 137, page 94. And the next quote says, He genuinely depicts in himself the one who begat him, the one from whom he exists. However, he will not for that reason lose his own subsistence, nor will the Father lose his. Neither will their complete likeness cause any confusion of the hypostases, so that we understand the Father who begat to be the same in number as the Son who was begotten of him. We will confess the identity of nature for both, but the proper subsistence of each one surely follows so that we should think of the Father as really the Father and the Son as the Son. That was St. Cyril of Alexandria, Commentary on the Gospel of John, Volume 1, page 10. So now let's talk about some general points about all the divine hypostases. So the first thing to mention is, all three divine hypostases simultaneously exist as individuals. We do not believe in one divine hypostasis that is called Father, Son, and Holy Spirit simultaneously, and that these, this hypostasis is called these titles at varying times under differing circumstances. We do not believe in that. So the first quote says, It is not a trinity in name alone and in linguistic expression, but in truth and actual existence. For just as the Father is he who is, Exodus 3.4, so too is his word he who is, and God over all, Romans 9.5. And the Holy Spirit is not without existence, but exists and subsists truly. That is St. Athanasius of Alexandria, Works on the Spirit, page 97. And the last quote says, The Father is different from the Son by virtue of his own hypostasis. He is not introduced as a Son Father, like some uneducated heretics think. This is St. Cyril of Alexandria, Commentary on the Gospel of John, Volume 1, page 161. The next point to mention is that all three divine hypostases are all coessential, connatural, and consubstantial, meaning they are all constituted of the same exact divine essence. The first quote says, For what is it to be thus connatural with the Father, but to be one in essence with him? That is St. Athanasius of Alexandria, Select Works and Letters, page 478. And the last quote, and we believe in like manner, too, of the Holy Spirit, not cataloging him as foreign to the divine nature, for he is by nature of the Father poured out upon creation through the Son. For thus the holy and adorable Trinity is understood to be one and consubstantial. This is St. Cyril of Alexandria, The Faith of the Early Fathers, Volume 3, page 227. The next point to mention is all three divine hypostases are all united to 
and thus inseparable from each other. So the first quote says, The Holy Spirit is united to the Son and the Father. This is St. Athanasius of Alexandria, Works on the Spirit, page 72. The next quote says, Joining the Son with the Father and not dividing the Spirit from the Son, so as to preserve the truth of the Holy Trinity's indivisibility and sameness of nature. Again, this is St. Athanasius of Alexandria, Works on the Spirit, page 80. So it's important to note here that division of any of the divine hypostasis would cause the divine essence to be multiple. Let's read the quote. Why hasn't it dawned on them that just as by not dividing the Son from the Father they preserve the unity of God, so too, by dividing the Spirit from the Word, they no longer preserve the divinity in the Trinity as one, but rupture it, and mix with it a nature that is foreign to it and different in kind, and reduce it to the level of creatures. This in turn renders the Trinity no longer one, but compounded of two distinct natures, because the Spirit, as they imagine among themselves, is different in substance. This is St. Athanasius of Alexandria, Works on the Spirit, page 55. The next point to mention is that all three divine hypostases are completely in each other. And this is what is sometimes called perichoresis or coherence. The first quote says, The Son, who is in the Father, and the Father in him. This is St. Athanasius of Alexandria, Works on the Spirit, page 86. The next quote, For as the Son is in the Spirit, as in his own image, so too is the Father in the Son. Again, this is St. Athanasius of Alexandria, Works on the Spirit, page 84. And the last quote says, The divine nature is comprehended completely in the person of God the Father, since he has the Son and the Spirit in himself. This is St. Cyril of Alexandria, Commentary on the Gospel of John, Volume 2, page 112. The next point to mention is that all three divine hypostases equally possess all the divine attributes of the divine essence. Let's read the first quote. But rather, as the Father's attributes are everlastingness, immortality, eternity, and not being a creature, it follows that thus also we must think of the Son. This is St. Athanasius of Alexandria, Select Works and Letters, page 89. And the next quote, Those who are of the same nature and substance are, of course, equal to one another in all those qualities which belong to them as pertaining to their substance. This is St. Cyril of Alexandria, Commentary on the Gospel of St. Luke, page 304. So it should be noted that attributes of the divine essence are different from hypostatic attributes. And this distinction will be more directly addressed in another discussion. But just for now, know that there's a difference between attributes of the divine essence and hypostatic attributes. So the next point to mention is that all three divine hypostases work together on any given task. Let's read the first quote. 
For the father should not be understood to act in any matter by himself alone without the son, since the son is his strength and power. Therefore, all things were made through him, and without him nothing came into being. The son, in turn, will not do anything by himself without the father being with him. That is why he says, I do nothing on my own, but the Father himself who remains in me does the works. That is why he often ascribes the power of his works, truly and without blame, to the Father. In so doing, he is not placing himself outside of that power, but he is assigning all things to the activity of the one divine nature. This is St. Cyril of Alexandria, Commentary on the Gospel of John, Volume 1, page 158. And the next quote, He maintains that he has become flesh from the Father, even though Solomon says, Wisdom has built herself a house. And the blessed Gabriel attributes the creation of the divine body to the operation of the Spirit, when he says to the Holy Virgin, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. The Son maintains this in order that you may understand that since the divinity is one in nature and is in the Father and the Son as well as in the Holy Spirit, none will act separately in any instance. But whatever may be said to happen through one, this is completely the work of the entire divine nature. This is St. Cyril of Alexandria, Commentary on the Gospel of John, Volume 1, page 240. So it's important to note that even though all divine hypostases work together on any task, the task may be understood to be carried out in various and different ways. Let's read a quote. Where one finds members with identical definitions of an identical nature, their activity is not separate, even though it may perhaps be understood to be carried out in various and different ways. Since there is one essence of the true and natural divinity, understood in three hypostases, I mean in the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, how is it not undisputably clear that when we speak of an activity of one of them, this is a work of the one whole divine nature according to the principle of natural power. This is St. Cyril of Alexandria, Commentary on the Gospel of John, Volume 2, page 212. So in understanding that all three hypostases work together on any given task, there is a formula that has been passed down by the Father. So they say, all things are from the Father, through the Son, in the Holy Spirit. Let's read the first quote. The Father himself, through the Word, in the Spirit, works and gives all things. This is St. Athanasius of Alexandria, Works on the Spirit, page 125. And the last quote, All things are from the Father, through the Son, in the Holy Spirit. This is St. Cyril of Alexandria, Commentary on the Gospel of John, Volume 1, page 58. So it's important to note the pattern that both patristic fathers use, namely that a different preposition is used for each divine hypostasis. They don't say from the Father, from the Son, and from the Holy Spirit. 
but they use a different preposition for each hypostasis. To divide any work up to an individual divine hypostasis would create a new God. Let's read a quote. The Holy Trinity has therefore the same operation, and whatsoever things the Father does and wills to accomplish, these things the Son does also in equal manner. Likewise, the Spirit as well. But the giving of the operations separately to each of the persons individually is nothing else than to set forth three gods separately and completely distinct from one another. This is St. Cyril of Alexandria, Five Tomes Against Nestorius, page 134. The next point to mention is that all three divine hypostases are each perfect. The patristic quote says, The faith of Christians acknowledges the blessed triad as unalterable, perfect, and forever what it is, neither adding to it what is more, nor imputing to it any loss, for both ideas are irreligious, and therefore it dissociates it from all things generated. This is St. Athanasius of Alexandria, Select Works and Letters, page 317. The next point to mention is that all three divine hypostases are not originate in a temporal sense or created, but have always existed eternally. Let's listen to a quote. The Holy Trinity, which is identical with itself and united in itself, has nothing in it that belongs to things which have come into existence. This is St. Athanasius of Alexandria, Works on the Spirit, page 98 through 99. It should be noted that the Son and the Holy Spirit are originate from the Father, but not in a temporal sense. So this doesn't contradict what we just said, that all three hypostases are not originate. The first not originate was in respect to time. They are not originate in a temporal sense. Here we're saying that the Son and the Holy Spirit are originate, but not in a temporal sense, but that they originate from the Father. Let's read the first quote. When then, after failing at every turn, they betake themselves to the other sense of the question, existing but not generated of any, nor having a father, we shall tell them that the unoriginate in this sense is only one, namely the Father. This is St. Athanasius of Alexandria, Select Works and Letters, page 325. And last quote, God is said to be the beginning of Christ, since the Son is from him with regard to his nature. So he who is without beginning has the one who has begotten him as his beginning, while at the same time he coexists eternally with him. This is St. Cyril of Alexandria, Glaphra on the Pentateuch, volume 137, page 157. The next point to mention is that the divine hypostases are not the divine essence itself. If hypostasis and essence were the same thing, then because I have the same essence as you, we would be the same person. But the reality is that you and I are two different individuals. So let's read the first quote. 
If the distinction between individuals makes no difference, let everything be mixed together with everything else. Let the traitor Judas be Peter or Paul, since he is consubstantial with Peter and Paul. Being of the same substance will in no way remove the distinguishing characteristic of individuals who are in the same genus or species with each other. This is St. Cyril of Alexandria, Commentary on the Gospel of John, Volume 1, page 24. So it's very clear here in this quote that being coessential or consubstantial doesn't make different individuals into the same individual. And the last quote, Like Abel from Adam, who preserves the entire nature of his parent in himself and bears the complete principle of human nature. This is St. Cyril of Alexandria, Commentary on the Gospel of John, Volume 1, page 153. So we see here that it's being said that Abel preserves the entire nature of his parent, Adam, in himself. Well, if hypostasis is essence, then because Adam and Abel are coessential, Abel would be Adam and would paradoxically be his own parent, which is absurd. The next point to mention is that the divine hypostases are not divided portions of the divine essence. So when thinking about the Trinity and understanding the relationship between the divine hypostasis and the divine essence, the best example to use would be a triangle. Sometimes people think of a circle, but a triangle is the better one to use. So if we're going to look at the area within the circle as the divine essence, sometimes people will divide the circle up into thirds and say that's how each divine hypostasis is constituted of the divine essence. But this would be dividing the divine essence into portions, which cannot happen. So the better way to view how each hypostasis is constituted of the divine essence is to use the example of a triangle and to say that each corner of the triangle is a hypostasis and the inner area of the triangle is the divine essence. So if you look at a triangle, each corner is constituted entirely from the inner area of the triangle. So each hypostasis is completely constituted of the divine essence. So let's read some quotes demonstrating this point. First one says, Nor does he, the Father, have a nature that is divisible into parts. Hence he does not beget the Son by being divided into parts. This is St. Athanasius of Alexandria, Works on the Spirit, page 78 through 79. And the last quote, But he is of the substance of God the Father, not by cutting off or emanation or division or separation, for the divine nature is altogether impassable. This is St. Cyril of Alexandria, Commentary on the Gospel of John, Volume 1, page 85. So again, the divine hypostases are not divided portions of the divine essence. The divine essence cannot be divided into portions. And the last thing to mention about the divine hypostases is that they cannot go above or below three. So St. Athanasius, in reference to the three divine hypostases, says, And the Catholic Church does not entertain the thought of anything less than these, lest she fall to the level of Sibelius and today's Jews, who take after Caiaphas. 
nor does she conceive of anything more than these, lest she slip into Greek polytheism. This is St. Athanasius of Alexandria, Works on the Spirit, page 97. And glory be to the Holy Trinity, our God, forever and ever. Amen. So I would like to thank you for spending some time with me so we could have an edifying discussion. I hope that the Trinity allowed this discussion to be beneficial for you. These are my thoughts and understanding about this topic. If anyone has a different opinion about anything that I said, I respect your opinion and perhaps I am the one who is mistaken. May the Trinity continue to have mercy upon us and lead us into a deep personal relationship with him.